Hi, everyone. This is Andy, host of the Alternative Investment Podcast. I'm really excited for the mini series we have this week on venture capital investing. You know, I've done a lot of angel investing in my life. I'm a limited partner in one VC fund, but I'm hungry to learn more. And the roster of guests that we have lined up this week, uh, they were really so generous in sharing their insights and knowledge on VC investing. So I really hope you enjoy this mini series this week on VC. Now, if this show has helped you at all, I have one ask of you, which is could you log on to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, leave us a rating and review. It doesn't take much time. It helps spread the word to other investors and entrepreneurs, and it would really mean the world to me. Thanks so much and enjoy the miniseries. You're listening to the Alternative Investment Podcast. We give you the insights and strategies you need to grow your wealth with alternative investments. Now, here's your host, Andy Hagens. Welcome to the Alternative Investment Podcast. I'm Jimmy Atkinson, filling in as a guest host for Andy Hagens. And today's episode is part of our mini-series on venture capital and angel investing. I'm very excited to be joined today by David Olivencia, CEO at Angeles Investors. David is also the author of a forthcoming book, Networking Excellence, Building a Strong Value-Based Network in an Accelerating Digital World. David, thanks for joining us today. Welcome to the show. Jimmy, it's great to be with you. Oh, great to have you here with us today, David. Um, you may not know this, and, and, and I think some of my listeners and viewers are probably familiar, but a little bit of background on me. I'm an LP investor. I've invested in more formal vehicles than than angel investing is typically done in. I, I, I'm an investor in some venture capital funds and some private equity real estate funds as well. But today, I, you know, I'm glad you've joined us today because I want to dive into the world of of angel investing and learn a little bit more about that type of investing and who it's open to and what types of entrepreneurs it helps. So, David, start us off real big picture. What is angel investing exactly, and how does it relate to venture capital? Yeah. So the way I view it, and you probably talk to a lot of different people, Jimmy, and get different definitions, but angel, angel investing uh, is in, investing, well, it's for accredited investors who invest in early stage startups uh, at, at whether they're just starting out, a little bit mature, all the way to, you know, then there's different kind of levels, but all the way till they get a certain part of maturity. Um uh, but you have to be an accredited investor. So accredited, I think currently the accredited investor definition, uh, salary of $200,000 a year as an individual, $300,000 if you're married or assets over a million dollars or so. So so kind of the, if you have that, you can then do angel investing in any any startup uh, in America. I mean, you can do it around the world, but but that's the definition if you want to do that in America. Now, Venture capital to participate in venture capital, uh, you also have to be an accredited investor. But in that case, you take your instead of putting your money directly into an individual company or companies based on what you like, you give that you give your money to a venture capital firm or a general partner at that firm, and they and they also reach out to multiple what they call limited partners aggregate that money and they make the decisions on what they're going to invest in you and based. A lot of times on a thesis or a direction, whether it's an industry, expertise, a geography, et cetera. So 
One is kind of individual angel is individual making the making the checks. Uh, venture capital is where you have a general partner who who uh, makes the checks or cuts the checks to startups or a venture capital firm that does that. Sure, sure, sure. So, and you know, I think you're right. Different people might may give different definitions of these two different terms. There's probably a little bit of overlap as well. There are angel investing groups as well, so you don't always have to just be a single angel investor writing a check informally to your buddy's startup or some other um, uh, colleague of yours, a startup or, or somebody that you might find online. Uh, it, it could be done through a group. Is that correct? That's correct. And that's the best way to do that, right? I mean, because you uh, you find deals as a group, you uh, vet deals as a group. And then once you invest in those deals as a group, you can leverage the collective power of the group to help that startup grow and really, I mean, kind of sense be an angel to them, right? Really help them. But I, I'm a big proponent of investing uh, in groups. And and uh, myself, I'm also a limited partner in a couple funds, Chingona Fund, Vitalize Fund, Motivate Fund. Uh, I think those are the three uh, funds that I'm a limited partner in. Good. So angel investing, I guess, correct me if I'm wrong here, it's 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 not quite to the level of venture capital. Venture capital sounds like a more institutionalized type of investment coming in with with larger dollar sums, typically aggregating from maybe dozens, if not hundreds of LPs and forming a larger fund that then selectively invests into different portfolio companies where angel investing is just on a smaller scale. It's kind of the same thing, but on a smaller scale. Is that right? And But, but you need to be accredited investor to do either one, it sounds like. That's right. You know, the, maybe the only caveat would be, you know, you could be a, a like an ultra wealthy angel investor and have just as much, you know, put as much capital and do other things to work. But it's, but in general, I think you hit it on the head. Got it, and David. Why are you an angel investor? Yeah, that's a great, it's a great question, Jimmy. Um, you know, I started uh, when I got my MBA at Notre Dame. I my eyes opened up to this whole startup space and uh, kind of on one side, the other side, I saw all the great things that were happening in Silicon Valley. I think that's another kind of um, uh, dimension that kind of started to open up my eyes about you know, startups and venture. The third is my career has always, my, my executive career has always been in the technology industry. So I've, I've been senior executive in technology at companies like Accenture, Oracle, Verizon, uh, NTT Data. And I've always seen the, you know, the massive disruption that technology has been causing and help clients and others leverage that to, uh, to, you know, to win. So all of those coming together, I said, really startups are the, 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 you know, the place, you know, to be, they're exciting. And then how do you you know, and then I said, well, okay, well, how do I participate and, and potentially, um, you know, not only learn, but also potentially get some um, economic gain uh, from that. So I got my, uh, when I got my Notre, uh, MBA at Notre Dame, there was a group of, a um, uh, group called the Irish Angels that were looking at um, various investments as a group, uh, vetting them and investing in them. And, um, I was I was a part of that group and then formally became a member, uh, and that kind of started my journey. And then I, I would do, you know, I started out maybe doing three or four a year, and then that kind of increased over time to where I was doing maybe eight, nine ish, 10, 10 a year over the last ten years, and have developed, uh, a, you know, a portfolio of about seventy or so 
angel investments that I that I've done. But it was initially started out primarily through Irish Angels and kind of seeing all those things coming together and say, say, well, you know, I can learn, I can make some, you know, hopefully make a good, good return. I know this, it's it's a risky asset. It's a high risk, high reward asset class. Um, uh, and I said, you know, this is how Silicon, this is how a lot of those companies made it in Silicon Valley. It's like the investors, the companies, and, and they get the exits and they keep, keep recycling and, you know, you get this big bubble. And uh, wanted to see if we can, you know, do that uh, in my angel investing career, and uh, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But yeah, that's how I got into uh, angel investing, and a little bit of where I'm at now. And is there, uh, you know, you you mentioned getting involved with, you know, nine or ten different companies a year. You you've got a portfolio of about seventy different companies that you're involved with now. Do you also enjoy being a mentor to some of these entrepreneurs or some of these? executives at some of these smaller companies is that part of angel investing you get to step well, in and, and mentor some of these individuals who are starting these firms oh it's it is uh yes it's uh it is it's one of the things i enjoy most and i you know probably should have mentioned it's kind of like the thing that happened last because when i look at investing it was like can i help them right and it kind of you, you hear their pitch right but can can the resources that i have the experience i have really help, help these companies. And I'll tell you, when that's you're part to... of creating the return, right? It's not just that these companies need a little bit of capital to get their tech or get their operations or whatever, that little boost that it needs, but also you're providing value, not just in the terms of the capital, but also in terms of your expertise, uh, bringing in a, a, a way of thinking into the company or different processes into the company or, or just your, your brain power to help unlock some things for them. Right. Yeah, I know, no, and, and and also the network, right? We'll talk, and the networking, we'll of course, it. right? But but like you know, hey, can you connect them with uh, potential employees, potential mm -hmm. advisors, customers, and really help fast track and get because it's you know the early stage is really about kind of moving at at speed. So yeah, that's definitely it's a it's a very rewarding rewarding part of it as well. I mean, this is tough because there these are you know it's this is a very uh, being a startup is not an easy thing, right? So to the extent you can help them and mentor them, it's great. And when you see the rewards at the end, you know, and, and some of these are a little bit more mature and they've, they've, they've received your help, it's really helped them get to the next level. It's extremely rewarding as well. Uh, I'm sure I have no doubt about that. Uh, so I want to hear now about your group that you're involved with. Now, you, you mentioned Irish Angels, but you have your own group now, Angeles Investors, what is that group exactly, and what do you do? Yeah, so um, so Angelus Investors uh, is an angel group uh, focused on finding, funding, and growing the most promising Hispanic and Latinx ventures in America. We're three years old. Uh, we are about 150 members nationally. Uh, we have a we've invested in about. 20 different companies. So roughly about you know seven or so a year. Uh, we've uh, our average check size is about $200,000. Uh, and our largest check size is 1.6 million. 35% um, of our members are female or Latina, as we like to say, um, which is rare for a non-female focused angel group. And it's really, it's, it's probably one of the highest. Uh, we're probably one of the the largest, we're, we're probably in the top 10% uh, 
in terms of size of angel group. And then in terms of fastest growing, probably in the you know, top three or percent or so in terms of just size and fastest growing angel groups, uh, you know, in America. Uh, so that's, that's, um, yeah, that's on the list investors. And how, how many, sorry, if I missed this, how many investors do you have in that group? About 150. 150. And they, are they consistently writing you checks over time or do they kind of pick and choose which portfolio companies that they want to invest in? How does that work exactly? Yeah, no, that's a great question, Jimmy. So the, uh, when we just finished up as an example, we do quarterly, well, in general, we do quarterly pitch nights. So every quarter we'll look, we get 150 companies that are presented to us through our website, through our members, through various, various leads. We have a, um, a sourcing and a selection committee that kind of narrows that down to three or four uh, companies that we present to our members on a quarterly basis uh, at these pitch nights. And we were just in Miami, beautiful Miami this past weekend in February. It's not a bad, bad place to be Jimmy. Uh, uh, and, and they'll pitch to our members and then our members, you know, they hear the pitch. We give them some due diligence and background. We have a discussion about them uh, that we're going to do actually later today. And then our members, if if they like, they raise their hand, or you know, we do it. It's an online platform, but they'll 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 say they're interested. They'll indicate how much what the amount is, and uh, if we get an aggregate amount of seventy thousand or so or more, uh, we'll we'll pull together uh, an SPV or a special purpose vehicle that we can then use to invest in that company. So, um, so we had five companies pitched to us this past Friday. Uh, we are right now in the process of seeing which companies are getting interest. Uh, and we'll likely know by the end of the week, which companies kind of get past that threshold. And, uh, we'll be then, you know, then after that, it's just working through the process of, of, uh, document signing and then actually cutting the check, uh, to, to the startup. Got it. And you you create that SPV, which might have the name like uh, Company ABC Fund One LLC or something like that. And you 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 collect the money from all the folks who raise their hands and and pledge that initial commitment. Uh, what's what's the typical check size from the folks within your network? Are they writing checks like five thousand, ten thousand, twenty five thousand at a time, something like that? Yeah, that's great. So we uh, minimum is five thousand. Okay. Um, but we've had members cut checks as high as a hundred thousand. So it, 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 it kind of varies, but I'd say the average is probably 15, 10 to $15,000 or so okay. uh, is what, what we'll cut. And then if you get five or 10 of those, that's enough money to kind of push you over that 70,000 or so threshold. And then you get the ball rolling and get the docs signed. And, and then, uh, you make that investment into that company and get some equity in return. What, what are the pitches look like? You mentioned you were just in Miami. You had a pitch night. Uh, was it of five companies that, that pitched to you that evening? What What's the duration of the pitches and what sure. types of companies are you looking at typically? Yeah, it's diverse industries. Um, the pitches range anywhere roughly about 10 minutes or so, uh, okay. and then 10 minutes of Q&A. Uh, if, the, if it's more of a follow-on type, like we're familiar with the company and they're just kind of growing, they're raising another, it's a little bit shorter pitch, but in general, it's about 10 minutes and uh, um, of pitch and, and 10 minutes of Q&A. Um, but the types of companies are different. We had a company that's building a, a 
an application called Storybook. That's um, it's a it's an application for parents in the evening that you can do like kind of massage techniques and also read. So it's kind of really helping kind of the mental health around kids, but also helping with parents. And so that was one. Um, uh, the other one was a company called Ugami. It's operating at the intersection of financial ser services, gaming, transactions, and cards. So it's kind of like a a, 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 a a rewards point system for gamers. So that's an interesting one that they pitched to us. Um, there's a so this was a little bit on a little bit uh, out of our norm, but a company called Mural, which is a unicorn, um, they were raising uh, or raising a round, and they decided to allocate a little bit of that round. I think it's Series B or Series C. I can't remember, um, but allocate give us a certain allocation in that round for us to participate and help them. Um, and there's a company that did automating testing. So it's kind of, you know, if you look at software and this whole big space around how do you test software and how do you, a lot of it's done manually. So how do you, how do you create an automated way to do that? So they're, they're, they're operating in that space. And the last one was a, like a beauty hair um, startup that kind of has a little bit of an organic twist to it and an interesting sales model that's kind of works with, the individual, I guess it's ladies in this case, for the most part that are selling this, you know, to their individual friends. So, so some diverse industries, uh, a couple diverse levels and diverse parts of the country. Uh, th that's just, that was, that's an idea of some of the companies that pitched to us this, that were and in the process of evaluating now. Yeah. Pretty uh, diverse array of different industries that you're drawing <laughs> from. And you mentioned, so those were the five or so that, that were able to advance to that pitch night that you had in Miami, yeah. uh, but they all were able to pass through the screen. You might look at a lot more companies prior to getting to that uh, that that end list of five or so per quarterly pitch night. How do you how do you how do you do that exactly? How do what what are some? I guess what I'm asking is what are some of the habits of being a successful angel investor? If you can kind of break down the process, how do you do it? How do you go from having to curate just those five from an initial screen of maybe you've got a dozen or more companies. Yeah. So there, there's a lot in there. So, I mean, I think just in habits, it's, it's great. This is why groups are so important, right? Because you have different, you can come at it with different levels of experience, different ideas and questions. So, so the one habit uh, is do it in groups is one. Um, but there's, there's a, there's an acronym that um, I'm pulling, I'm calling it time. <laughs> T-I-M-E. Okay. And uh, uh, so I, I like to look at traction. So is does this company have some kind of month over month growth and revenue and they're getting some traction? Uh, the team. So is this, this, this is a very competent team. Do they know the space well? Do they got great leadership? Um, uh, so that that's the other one. Uh, the TAM, right? So is this is a big market, right? So the, are you, are, is this a big market that they can, that they can, that that the team and the traction can kind of attack and total the addressable market, right? Tam? That's right. That's yeah. right. That's right. The total addressable market, and then the terms, right? So what's the valuation, and what are they looking for, and are they is this valuation reasonable? So the terms. So that's the T in time. Uh, the I in time is like okay, well, if you got all that, I'm pretty smart, pretty smart, but 
the eyes for investors. Well, who else is investing in this thing? Because I'm pretty smart, but I but I'd like to see if there's other smart investors. And typically, as an angel, you know, we we like to top off the round. So we'd like that there's a lead investor, maybe one or two other strong investors, and there's a little bit left over that we can come in and add. So that's the I. The M is the the I call it the moat. So what kind of do you have a competitive differentiator? Uh, and the the business model, you know, are you just does a business model make sense? Is it easy to understand? So that's that's kind of the M. Uh, the E is okay. Well, then does this? Do they have the energy, excitement uh, around this? And then the other part of the E is the exit. Okay, well, what? How? At some point, how do how do we foresee an exit? Right, and this this thing. So that's kind of time. I call that time. And then there's there's two aspects under time. The first one I, I I say is well, how fast? What's the velo? How, how's the velocity of my money going to work in this investment? So looking at that from a from a time perspective, and then the last part of time is how how does this founder spend this time? So if I if I go and I check out the founder and founders, you know, putting social media posts about you know politics, basketball. Everything, everything else that has nothing to do with their business, and that's how they're spending their time. I don't invest them. Um, so that's that's kind of my little model around what I look for. I don't know if it's best habits, but those are just kind of things that I I've tried to encapsulate all the things that I look for into that, uh, and that's the model that I have, Jimmy. No, I love it, David. Uh, you know, there's I don't know if there's a right or wrong way to do it, but that sounds like it's working for you for sure. Um, now, it, going back to that acronym, the T-I-M-E, I think there were three T's in there, if I'm not mistaken. Do they need to check every single one of those or do you let them, pa- do you let them slide if, if they're, they're missing one or two? Or, Well, yeah, I mean, there's no, no. Um, so, I, it, it, and it's, so you, when you do it in groups, right, you're, so we have a group within, within Irish Angels and within Angeles, I mean, that you've got kind of committees a, a bit that kind of they go in and even like venture capital firms also kind of have a bit of committees too that they that they kind of have and they have criteria they like of some of those criterias right they have you know waiting on them and you know you can look at that so um but my 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 big ones and my priority ones are are, are, are i mean the t's are really big right that you know do they have traction do they have the right team and what are the terms and and and, and the tam the address mark i mean if you if you have those you know that's important. Then the other stuff I think is is kind of it's nice to have. I think those are those are nice to have and important. But when you start getting all of those to line up, and you know you say, wow, this 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 is looking this is looking like a good investment. And, you know, sometimes you can have all of them lined up, and still this is a high risk, high reward asset class. And uh, um, you know you can you can still have them all. It just minimizes the risk uh, when you have them all lined up. That's great. Okay, so we we've discussed why you're an angel investor, what you like about it, both the returns and the ability to mentor these different companies. We've talked a little bit about Angeles Investors, your process for vetting these different potential portfolio companies that you invest in. But I want to talk about angel investing more broadly now and and specifically who you have to be in order to participate in angel investing. You mentioned near the top of the show that you have to be an accredited investor and even gave the accredited investor definition. So I want to spend a few minutes now talking about what an accredited investor is, about that definition, and about some rulemaking by Congress and and 
but both on the legislative side, I guess, Congress and also potentially some regulatory changes that the SEC might make regarding uh, that definition, how it might change and who that may impact. Uh, but, but first, before we kind of get into those technical weeds, David, I want to just actually hear more about your story. Uh, you, you went back to the beginning of your career, but I want you to go back a little bit further, if you could. How did you grow up? Um, and, and what were some obstacles that prevented you from doing angel investing um, early on? Yeah, and it's a great question, Jimmy. Um, you know, I, I when and when I was, you know, I had the opportunity to also testify on uh, Capitol Hill and one of these committees on, on the credit investor. But I was mentioning that, you know, I, I I grew up very humble beginnings. My my grandparents, parents came here from Puerto Rico with nothing, um, almost less than nothing. If you come here speaking the language, you know, not speaking the language. Sure. Um, and uh, my father didn't finish high school. And, you know, and then I was first in my family to, to graduate from college. And then I had this fast track career in, in, you know, in engineering in the tech industry and then got into MBA at Notre Dame and all, all this kind of stuff. So I, I've, I've kind of, um, I've been very fortunate. Um, but even, even as I was getting my MBA, you know, you, you, you know, to get to $200,000, even, you know, it's not like everybody gets to, two, you know, you, you get there and just cause you get there when you're an executive, by the way, doesn't mean that you have, you know, uh, 10,000, 5,000, $20,000 to just, you know, you know, invest in some of these companies. Right. Um, so, so I, you know, I think, um, so, so that was kind of my, you know, that's kind of how you get to, you know, I think it, once you become an executive, I think that, you're pretty much at the the accredited investor status, but then, you know, then you have to prioritize. I mean, there's a lot of things you can invest in, and and uh, is this an asset class you wanna you wanna go after? Right? You can do real estate, you can do stocks, you can do a lot of different things, right? But then you have to choose. You know, and like I did, I just I love startups, I love disruption, I love the opportunity, I love learning, and I love helping, right? And so that's why I said, ah, this asset class just kind of meets meets my needs. Um, so, um, but but as I also testified, there's a lot of people who I would like to invest in this asset class and can't because they don't—they're not at that accredited investor level. And I think you know now with with the advent of angel groups and and platforms that make it a lot easier, you know, it's it's a lot easier to then pull money together and and put out to to a company, not like it was you know 10, 15 years ago. Um, so. You know, that's that's a bit of my journey, Jimmy, to to, you know, from like the start, you know, to angel investing and 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 then maybe, and more specifically, I guess, maybe to just maybe just last point, if you look at, you know, the Hispanic community in America, in a lot of and what we're doing at Atlas too, this is very not only is it like a it's a new asset class to a lot in our community who came up very similar to myself. Um, and so a lot of it is just educating and training on on this asset class and you know, how do you minimize risk and increase reward? Um, uh, uh, and then, and, and open it up to open it up to more in a very safe way, which was what we were talking about, uh, uh, on Capitol Hill. And, and my last point is like, I think this is, you know, there's a, I, I mentioned this too. There's a lot of issues that, um, uh, uh, are partisan. This should really be a, a bipartisan, you know, bipartisan issue. Right. I mean, so and I think I, I'm hopeful that uh, we can get some change in that as well. Yeah. Well, Andy and I actually did a live episode of the Alternative Investment Podcast 
reflecting on the accredited investor definition. And it got a little bit uh, political and philosophical at (laughs) times. Uh, We kind of meandered through uh, because there really are, I guess there's, there's two different ways of looking at it. One, the unsophisticated investor or the investor who doesn't have a lot of net worth to lose um, need protected from the regulators or from the government. Um, but on the other hand, there's there's the other group that says, well, that's too restrictive and it's potentially disproportionately affecting minorities, women, folks of that nature uh, from participating in some of these uh, types of investments that have outsized returns oftentimes. So, you know, where do you draw the line between being too restrictive and over-regulatory versus being too laissez-faire and, and, and letting people potentially get swindled by an asset class that isn't regulated as much as, say, stocks or, or, or other types of investments that, that are regulated by the, the SEC and have, have a lot of oversight. So, so anyways, you, you, you mentioned, David, that uh, you testified just a few weeks ago in front of the U.S. House Financial Services Subcommittee on Capital Markets. Uh, and that, that it was a two hour long hearing. I actually watched quite a bit of it. I didn't watch the whole thing, but I watched quite a bit of it. And that's how I learned of you, David. And, and I, <laughs> I, I connected with you on LinkedIn, I think later that day and asked you, Hey, let's come on, let's bring you on the podcast and talk about this. Um, it, it's interesting that, that, that different argument on each side of the accredited investor definition, but in, in your mind, David, I want your opinion now. Do you think that definition, accredited investor, is too restrictive? And if so, how should it change? Yeah, that's a great question. The, um, so I, there was a lot of the a lot of the panelists. Um, we were leaning, and I think a lot of the recommendations from the Angel Capital Association would be the, the, it was directional, but like no more than ten percent of your your you know your assets or annual salary should be able to be invested in this asset class was was it was a directional thought mm-hmm. uh there was a directional thought to lower it to 150,000 uh to be accredited uh what was the second one that's the uh lowering the annual income threshold from $200,000 a year to 150 okay that's right that's right and then um there was uh some thoughts around the uh, some like certification or you know maybe on top of that some certifications either coming from the angel capital association uh or or being recommended as part of groups or you know be doing this within a group because if you're doing it by your i mean i think it just if you're doing it as a group it minimizes the risk there's there's all there's risk and all that um uh so those are the directional uh, recommendations, uh, uh, you know, that were put out there. Um, and I, you know, I, I think I, and I, I, and I agree with them. I think we should move in that direction. I am, I'm not, I mean, I, I, you know, it's kind of like mine is, you know, just, uh, and we can go in a direction over time, right? They can, maybe, maybe it's, maybe it's instead of, if it's 200, maybe let's go to 175. And let's see how it goes. Now, David, you unfortunately, know. I think the SEC has a mind of moving in the opposite direction, though, because be. because be. they're no, they're thinking they is, I think, yeah. they're thinking is 
this accredited investor definition was made in the early 1980s and it's and it has never been updated. So that income threshold of $200,000 was set in I think uh, 1982 if I recall correctly. And yeah. so if you were to adjust that for inflation, it, it might be I mean I don't know I don't know what uh $200,000 in 1982 is worth today. Is it 350,000 or 500,000 uh, somewhere in that range maybe? Yeah. Um, yeah. That would really restrict uh, the number of investors who would qualify. Because I think as it stands today, David, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong. It's somewhere between 10 to 15% of US households meet this accredited investor definition. So if we today, update it in like that 10, direction, it's really going to bring that number down significantly. That's right. Yeah. And it's like 10% or something. It's, it's, okay. It was like, yeah, 10%. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so, it, would, it would bring it that it would, and it would just disproportionately you know, impact you know, minority communities, right? Which, which you don't want, we don't want that to happen. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's, uh, so, I, you know, I think. And when you say, I, sorry, I, just to pull on that thread a little bit more too, when you say disproportionately affect minority communities, I think you're, you're talking about uh, from both sides of angel investing too. Fewer investors from minority communities would be able to participate, but also fewer entrepreneurs who are who are starting up companies that need this type of early stage or pre-seed capital from angel investors wouldn't receive that capital as often either. Is is that is that true? Do you think? Yeah, that 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 is that's correct. I mean, and there's there's the I mean, there's the data that you know. I, well, I'd say, you know, in our case, right, because we know the entrepreneurs. You know they're in our communities, so it's a lot easier. And it's on the flip side too, right? If you're not, it happens that way. Um, so yes, that 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 would as well. It's on it's on both sides. You're right. Yeah. So I mean, it is a really charged topic because on the one hand, hey, probably when the regulators first came out with this definition, they probably should have pegged it to some sort of inflation uh, metric, maybe CPI. I don't know, something like that. But they didn't. Yeah. So now we're in we're, the, the definition is now 40 years old. So if you look at it logically, well, surely it needs to be updated. It needs to be revised upward. But as you and I have been pointing out for the last few minutes, that's going to maybe make things worse for certain individuals, for certain investors. Maybe it cuts the number of uh, credit investors uh, by a significant amount in the country, further restricting the amount of opportunities that investors have to receive outsized returns, further restricting the number of entrepreneurs that get funded at a time when we're we're thinking, hey, let's make things more inclusive. Let's have capital flowing to folks that maybe it otherwise wouldn't be flowing into. Is is that right? What I mean, what are your overall thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, we sh we should as a I think we should open it up more it, it, because you know I think we've got we've got better angel groups now. We've got a lot more information that's available. Uh, for these companies, um, so I, I, I tend to think that the SEC should SEC should be more lenient in, in this area in terms of letting um, letting more people in. Um, I but I don't think I mean I do think there's you know there's there's risks involved and there's you know all that kind of stuff. But I think what a lot of times what people forget to mention is that. All the successes that, you know, like it, when we were talking about the uh, in the uh, the hearing, it was a lot about FTX and this and that, you know, and all the issues with FTX and all the and 
but I, what a lot of people would for people, but you know, the hundreds and thousands, more like the thousands of companies that have grown, scaled, and have exited, and, and really given the 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 investors a, a an outsized an outsized return. So I mean, so I, I my my mental my, I believe it should be opened up. I don't believe it should be opened up all the way. I think there should be safeguards. Um, and I don't know who who or why they said well because I. Who or why they said that? Oh, just because you make three hundred thousand dollars, you're smarter than this person, right? Basing it on you know income. So this is that's why there's a bit of the certification. There's a why there's a bit of the groups, um, uh, because you know I mean I think I I think I think when I got my MBA, I think I barely made the barely made the accredited investor difference. I don't think I, I made the accredited accredited investor difference when I got my my MBA. And so, and from a leading university, right? Um, uh, so, so that, that those those are my thoughts there, there, Jimmy. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. the 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 regulators, the SEC, is using income levels or net worth levels as a proxy for investor sophistication, and yeah. I'm sure there's some correlation there. But you know, as you mentioned, you graduated with an MBA from from one of the top programs in the country, and you didn't meet the definition. But somebody who may have won a big prize in the lottery and doesn't know anything about investing uh, might have met the definition. So those are two <laughs> different examples yeah. there uh, where where the accredited investor definition doesn't really work. Uh, well, it'll be inter interesting to see what the SEC decides to do if it's later this year or, or some sometime further down the road, how they amend the definition. I think it'll definitely be a, a charged topic. Um, David, we are starting to run out of time, but I, I had sure. a few more questions for you kind of getting us off of the accredited investor <laughs> definition topic for the last few minutes of the episode. I, I, I was wondering if you could tell us about some of uh, your angel investing investments to date. Maybe you can give a few examples of your of your biggest successes and the types of returns that you receive from them. Sure. So um, I, I have two, I'm fortunate I have two unicorns in my portfolio. One's called ShipBob. So there are three TL kind of logistics platform uh, where where Amazon has these sophisticated warehousing that you know pick pack and ship, uh, uh, ShipBob does this for Amazon competitors, right? So Walmart and others, and they're doing the the warehousing, the pick pack and ship ShipBob. So that's them. Grin is another one. Grin is a um, kind of platform that on one side you've got um, influencers in this world that's becoming more social media. On the other side, you have um, companies, and so. Grin is the platform that brings both of them together, you know, to help, to, you know, help companies scale their brands. Um, in Analyst Investors, we have an amazing one called Canela Media. They are kind of Netflix for the Hispanic community from the United States through Latin America. Unlike Netflix, they they serve up ads and they're on like uh, Roku and your mobile and all that, you know, all that stuff. Uh, and they they've done they've done really really well. Um, the uh, uh, the and then and kind of a more recent one. Um, well, I say recent one. I mean, I've I've, I've invested in them maybe five four or five years or so. Um, was a company called Hallow, and they came to us through Notre Dame Irish Angels. And Hallow is a Catholic prayer and meditation app. And uh, they, they raised, I don't know, I think it was 50, 60 million dollars like a year and a half ago or something like that. And we invested them. They were, you know, they were just starting out for the most part. Uh, 
and uh, they just announced a big deal with Mark Wahlberg, and they're like the number three uh, app in all of the Apple Store because obviously because of the Lent Lent holiday, they got had a big boost and they're doing really well. So that that's a um, another one. Wolf and Shepherd's another one. So I don't know if you've heard of. So they're that kind of the the the, the athletic shoe. That's the a shoe company, dress, right? Yeah, dress shoe, athletic shoe, Notre yeah. Dame decathlete. Uh, we invested in them very early and they kept growing, growing, growing. Now they got the Gronk and all these other, and you can see their ads on, you know, ESPN and NBC and all that stuff. So it's, it's amazing. And then the one that, uh, that I, that I, it's called the mom project. So I invested in them. So it's a hiring platform for, for women and moms. And I invested in them early, early on. And because I, I, I knew in corporate America, there was just such a lack of 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 women in, in key executive and managerial roles and that there was you know and they're they're great and they're great um and uh invested in them but then helped them mentored them coached them uh um uh and, and you know when you have a great ceo you don't have to do much of that too but if you just open up a door here and there and help them out it's been great and um They've had an amazing run. You know, Serena Williams is now is an advice, you know, this before and then Serena Williams became an advisor and now they're they're you know they're big and we'll see what we'll see what uh what what they have in store, but they're they're likely gonna be uh, a very newsworthy uh company. And then there's a bunch of others, but those are some of the those are some of the ones that um uh you know wanted to highlight. Those are some great examples. Uh, you know, some of the more successful portfolio companies that you've invested in over the years, David. What types of returns do you typically see from from some of the bigger successes? Uh, from those five, I'd say the average would be uh, probably fifth, anywhere forty to fifty or so x maybe maybe more like 40 some are higher some some are lower wow. but for for the for the, those top whatever five or six now you're gonna have you don't always get have, that you don't always get that yeah. you get you'll get you know another 10 that die right yep. so don't you know don't i don't i never want to do that so you know so you get you invest in 10 three are going to do well maybe one's going to do really well three are going to do average and just kind of and then three or four are going to die so so that's that's how and that those I'm, I'm you know I can also have another session where I talk about the ones that died you know <laughs> as well right so I don't, you know but those aren't those aren't as those aren't as fun to talk about but <laughs> but you can talk about those as well yeah well, maybe maybe one question there actually what what are some common threads that you see from the ones that die is is are there is it something with the founders or something with the the work ethic or is it just the, a bad product market fit sometimes or are there any commonalities or is it kind of all over the map why some companies end up going to zero and, and dying yeah you know <laughs> the it's a little it's a little bit of everything you mentioned there a lot but kind of the essence of it is they run out of cash right mm -hmm. so and i've seen scenarios where you know they kind of wait 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 and things and and then and then they maybe somebody's going to give them some cash and they're hope they hope they hope and it all falls apart they run out of and it so that's happened kind of multiple times well they all run well, out of cash right that's how you yeah. go to zero but that happens because you don't have enough sales or you you're paying too many people on the payroll you've got the wrong headcount there something like that right that's right or for kind of fundraising or fundraising planning 
Yeah. Right. And so, so you see, you see a bit of that. Um, I think the other way, the reason they fail is they don't get enough kind of going back to that traction. They don't get kind of that right product, what they call product market fit and start getting some momentum, you know, and traction and sales. Right. I think those are the, and so they, they kind of swirl a bit and they, you know, they kind of swirl and they swirl and then, and I mean, obviously the money goes out. That's, that's, that's another area. Those are another area. And then it just kind of goes back to just, you know, kind of the other things you mentioned, right? You know, not sales. Maybe they make a mistake. They they don't pivot right. There, there's there's a couple different ways. Yeah. Uh, well, just to, to zoom out here in the last couple minutes, I wanted to get your thoughts on, David, since, since you're a leader in the angel investing space, you know, you head up one of, you mentioned probably top 10% um, angel investing networks in, in order of... Uh, number of investments you've made, assets, however you want to term it. What are some trends in angel investing or venture capital more broadly that you think will play out over the next two to three years? Yeah, I think there's software and platforms that are making it um, easier to pull together groups of money, easier, easier, more efficient, and cheaper to pull together pools of money and invest in startups. So um, I think that's that's one one trend. I mean, we use a, if you think about all these legal docs that need to get put together, for the most part, you know, you, you, they're becoming more standardized, right? You've, you know, I don't know, you've had this, the safe note, um, uh, you know, get, get produced in the last, I don't know, whatever, 10-ish years. Uh, but, but even underneath there, there's software now, like we use this platform called Allocations, and you know you you push a button and it's, it automatically creates all these legal documents. You get them out to people. They're they're, they're connecting with you know you think about all like they're connecting with the the banks to wire the money. They're they're connecting this to bring it in. So it's like automating of all of that those processes. The prices of that coming down, which should make it easier for people to pull money together and invest. So I think that's um, that's a big trend. Um, I think. Uh, I think Latin America is an interesting place. And not a lot of, you know, if you look at, there wasn't a lot of investment in Latin America. I think, I think I global, I think you're going to see more, you know, more global type deals come together. I think this asset class is going to be, uh, be, be more, I think people are going to become more educated and aware of this asset class. Uh, uh, and, and it's going to open, open up even with the current accredited investor. I think there's a lot of opportunity that, and, and more people are going to come into this, asset class um those are a couple of the big those are a couple of big like for angel investing and then you know I, all the tech you can see a lot of artificial intelligence quantum computing augmented reality metaverse all that kind of things to invest in on, on top of that information like health and all this you know we're going to get tons and tons and tons of data like you think we've you think we're getting a lot of data now you haven't seen anything yet mm -hmm. so products and companies that parse through that data and put put out, out some insights on anything on different industries or whatever are going to be very valuable. So that's, that's a, what I see coming. A, a lot to keep an eye out for. Well, I mentioned in the intro that uh, you're, you're the author of a forthcoming book, Networking Excellence, Building a Strong Value-Based Network in an Accelerating Digital World. Tell us about your book, David, and when it's coming out. Yeah. Thank you, Jimmy. Um, so the book can be pre-ordered on Amazon uh, right now. Uh, it it's uh, it will be released March 10th uh, in the pre-order phase. It's already become a Amazon a hot new bestseller. 
across like two different categories. Um, so I'm really excited about that. Uh, Jimmy, I, I, I've learned a lot in my life uh, and I've done, done a lot of interesting things, whether it's executive ranks at some of the largest technology companies in the world or investing and unicorns and others and starting up these technology organizations, the underpinnings of, of all of that, Jimmy has been networking. Hmm. And I have an approach that I've learned through, through my years, through mentors, through hundreds of books I read uh, uh, and, and people I interview the book interview as part of the book. And I pull all of that, you know, together in this book on really helping people achieve networking, networking excellence. And Jimmy, if you, and if you ask people, well, what's the, what's the top skill to help you accelerate your career and, and move up in, in, in promotions or what's the number one skill or top skill to find a job or more rapidly accomplish your goals? Like, overwhelming answers is networking. You say, oh, it's networking. But you know they don't teach it in school. Uh, uh, there's some kind of books out there, but most of us just kind of learn learn by doing. Yeah. And so I wanted to you know, kind of share my experiences, give back, fill this demand for a very needed skill in, in a digital world that we're operating in as well with so much information to really help, uh, help and give back you know, to those and, uh, and help them accomplish those goals that I mentioned. Well, it sounds like a great endeavor. And I think you're right. It's not always about what, you know, it's, it's oftentimes as, uh, equally important who, you know, if not more important, uh, well, David, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. I can't wait to, uh, read your book, by the way, I'm going to make sure I, I get a copy of it at some point. Uh, before we go today, David, can you tell our viewers and listeners where they can go to learn more about you and Angeles Investors? Sure, sure, Jimmy. So at Angeles Investors, you can find us on LinkedIn at Angeles Investors. You know, very, very easy. Uh, AngelesInvestors.com is, is the website. Um, so that's very easy. Uh, for myself on LinkedIn, David Olivencia. Uh, and for Facebook and Twitter, D Olivencia, O L I V E N. CIA. And I think we'll have some show notes wherever we can put some links out for, for the viewers as well. Yeah, we will. Uh, for our listeners and viewers, as always, we will have show notes available for today's episode at wealthchannel.com slash podcast. David, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today, David. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you, Jimmy. Appreciate it. Had a lot of fun. That's it for today's show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a rating and review to help spread the word to other investors. And we'll be back soon with another episode.